Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the wonderful privilege and the opportunity that you've given us to gather here on a Wednesday evening to be able to approach your throne of grace and to get on our knees, symbolic of our submission, our surrender, and our dependence upon you. Lord, I pray tonight that you would minister to each and every need. We know that you are able and able to do abundantly and above all that we can ask or think. And we come tonight as we have spoken to you. Now it's our opportunity and turn to listen to you and to hear from your word, that you'll give me the words you'll have me to say, that there may be a source of strength, challenge, conviction where needed, and that you would strengthen each and every heart, save some lost soul, stir the heart of every believer, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. I've often wondered throughout my Christian life, what exactly is it going to be like when we get to heaven in the presence of God with glorified bodies that do not have the ability to sin. Now, I have to envision that is going to be amazing. That's going to be incredible. The reason why it's a little difficult maybe for us to imagine is because what we know now, what we have now by way of these earthly bodies is, is the only experience we know. We only understand what it means to be tarnished by this vice called sin. We see firsthand the devastation and the destruction that it causes. We understand personally the pain and the suffering. We, we understand what it's like to have physical and spiritual limitations in these bodies. But for those of us who are saved, regarding this matter of sin, which is the greatest problem known to mankind, we should have a greater level of concern for sin. Why? Because we have been saved from it. Amen? Thank God for salvation. I think oftentimes we say those words so much and we hear them in testimony time and it's a great thing to thank God for salvation. But I fear, and even for myself, that we don't fully grasp what we have received by way of this great salvation. And that's understandable because guess what? We have not seen all there is to see. 
We have not received all the benefits that there are yet to be experienced from salvation. But suffice it to say, salvation is the greatest gift that we will ever know. Amen? But we ought to have, along with this great privilege of being saved, a healthy concern for sin. As we've been examining in 1 John chapter 5, these what I would call proofs of salvation, this concern for sin is something that John, the apostle, one of Jesus' disciples, he highlights in these verses. We saw this from verse 16 up to verse number 20. We saw that John understood that because we are supposed to be sensitized, have a great awareness of the dangers of sin and what we have been saved from, he says there ought to be a great sense of accountability to one another, especially and particularly in this organism that we understand and know as the local church, God's kingdom-building vehicle to accomplish his will here on earth. Because sin is such a buzzkill, so to speak, to spiritual activity in the work of God, we are to have accountability to one another. What affects me affects you. What affects you affects me by way of fulfilling God's purpose collectively. And so in verse 16, he says, if a man sees his brother's sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask. He's simply saying, listen, you have to get involved. You have to be engaged. Why? Because there is accountability. What affects you affects me. What affects me affects you. But he mentions regarding this concern, this matter of awareness. Awareness. You see this word repeating throughout the subsequent verses. This verse, this word know. In verse number 18, we know that whatsoever is born of God, sin it not. Verse number 19, and we know that we are of God. And verse number 20 begins, and we know. What is John saying? John is saying we ought to have this healthy concern for sin because we now have some awareness. There's some things that we know that other people don't know because of the fact that we are saved. In verse number 16 and 17, he, he emphasizes our knowledge of the seriousness of sin. Sadly, so many people, including believers, take sin lightly. Very lightly. And John wants us to understand. Look at verse number 16. Listen, as we pray, I, I often fear and shudder at times. And even if somebody's not sick, is it possible that a person is this close to sinning unto death? Because of an unwillingness to take sin seriously. John wants us to understand the seriousness of sin. And it's something that we should be aware of. Because sin put Jesus on the cross. We saw the seriousness of sin. But in verse 18, we see the solution for sin. Whosoever is born of God, sin it not. God is the solution for sin. And John helps us 
to be reminded that we ought to know this. Why? Because we have experienced salvation. In verse 19, we saw last week, we have being saved from sin. It's one thing to be aware of a solution. It's another thing to apply it to your life. And that's why he says in verse 19, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Here we are, the privileged ones, the blessed ones to have received a great salvation and yet we are living in a world that's overrun with wickedness. We have been saved from the muck and mire of sin. But tonight I want us to look at something else that we ought to know and we must know if we are saved. Not only do we know the, and are aware of the seriousness of sin, the solution for sin, that we have been saved from sin, but look at verse number 20 and you'll notice that we are privileged to also know the one who saves from sin. Amen? Look at what he says in verse number 20. And we know that the Son of God is come. Now, we're going to see four things here tonight, very quickly, about the one who saves from sin. Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. Notice what he says that we ought to know, and that we know if we are saved. We know of his performance. We know that the Son of God is come. We know, we know, we know that he came to this earth. We know that he died on Calvary's cross. We know that he was buried in a tomb. And bless God, after three days, he got up from the grave. We know that. His work on earth is indisputable. The apostles' lives were transformed because of what he did. Listen, here's what separates Christianity and salvation from every other religion out there. We have no tomb, no grave that we can look at to say Jesus is there. He's not there. He is risen. We know that. We know of his performance. We know what he did. The disciples testified of this. And they were convinced. They didn't hallucinate. They didn't have a dream. These scaredy cats, so to speak, Christians, uh, prior to Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, listen, when they got uh, up front of the same people who were the ones who killed Jesus, they said, listen, there's nothing you can do to change our minds. You killed him. They were bold because they saw the power of Jesus through the resurrection. Their lives were transformed. And we know what Jesus did. We know of his performance. But here's something else that's so exciting about this great salvation. We don't only have to know of Jesus' performance from the disciples' account, but you and I have the privilege and the opportunity to know Jesus personally. Amen? You say, Pastor Wayne, how is that possible? Look at what John says. We know that the Son of God is come. And look at this. 
and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. Do you know that John was speaking long after Jesus had ascended? He was not saying that only the 12 of us disciples and others who were there in the time of Jesus, they're the only ones who had the opportunity to know Jesus because they walked with him and they talked with him and they touched him and they handled him. He's saying, no, by way of salvation, you have the opportunity and the privilege to know this same Jesus personally. It's one thing to know of someone. It's another thing completely to know that person personally. And by way of salvation, we have the privilege to know Jesus for ourselves. You know, do you know that there are historians who have researched and looked at the accounts of Jesus and they know Jesus from a historical perspective? They know him as a historical figure. But my friend, if you are saved here tonight, you must know Jesus personally. You must know Jesus for yourself. You say, how do I, how do I know Jesus and I haven't seen him bodily? We know Jesus through the revelation and the power of his Holy Spirit. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Notice what Jesus said, speaking to Peter. And notice, the amazing thing about this account is that Jesus, or Peter rather, as you'll see here, was in the presence of Jesus. Yet, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Now understand, this is why I say just knowing of someone and knowing someone, they're two completely different things. Because here Jesus was in their presence, and many of them could say, Oh, I know a man named Jesus. But when you know Jesus, you got to know some things further about him, that he is in fact the son of God. The Bible says, uh, he says, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. My friend, you can know Jesus because God has revealed who Jesus is to you. You can know him personally. Look back at 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 10. The same chapter. Verse number 10, by way of salvation, the belief that we have that brings that about. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Who's that witness? Holy Spirit of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is what makes salvation a supernatural event in a person's life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, which things also we speak, 
not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but with which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But look at this. But we have the mind of Christ. If you are saved, you must recognize that you have the privilege to know Jesus personally. But notice back in 1 John, John chapter 5 and verse 20, something else that we ought to know about the one who saves us from sin. We know of his performance. We know him personally. But we also know him or we know him positionally. Look at what the Bible says. He says, and we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. What does it mean that we are in him? Now, to help explain that, look at Romans chapter 8. And it's awesome when you, the Bible explains the Bible. Positionally, what, what does it mean to be in Jesus Christ? Now this, my friend, speaks to the relationship that we have by way of salvation with God. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now, what? No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now here's what's so great about knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the one who has saved us from sin. The reason why we are saved from sin is not because we have cleaned up our act. It's not because we have freed ourselves from the vice of sin is because positionally, because of redemption, because of the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, we are now, if we place our faith and trust in him, found in him. As such, we have his righteousness. So when God looks down a sinful man, he doesn't see our sin once we are found in Christ. Because Christ has no sin. And so when he looks positionally, he actually sees Christ instead of us. What a blessing. Think of it this way. It's kind of like you have an account. And that account is filled with charges that we could never pay. We were broke. Spiritually, not able to pay these sin debts. And someone came in and said, you know what? Whatever charges are on this person's account, you debit my account to cover every charge. The past charges, 
the present charges and the future charges. Doesn't matter what charge you put on there. Listen, it's connected to my account. My friend, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, he paid for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins such that positionally we have no debt whatsoever. So when Jesus, when God looks at us positionally, he says, those people are debt free when it comes to sin. Amen? So positionally, we are in Christ. In other words, we are connected to his bank account. What a blessing. Some of you are saying, boy, I wish I was connected to somebody's bank account down here. But even if not, listen, we are connected to the richest account, the account of Jesus Christ. No charges can accrue because he took care of all of it, past, present, and future. So positionally, we are in Christ. And then finally, notice, we know of the preeminence of this Jesus. Look at that last statement in verse number 20. This is the true God and eternal life. You notice how John makes a definitive statement such that he starts a new sentence. He says, with everything that I've seen, with everything that I've known, with everything that I've experienced, Jesus has shown his preeminence over death. He's shown his preeminence over creation. He's shown his preeminence over sin. And as such, this same Jesus is God and he's the source of eternal life. He said, these are some things that I know. I'm aware. I'm not asking. I am telling you. And that is why understanding the greatness of this God and his preeminence over everything. No wonder the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55 says these words, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the preeminent one. My friend, we ought to be grateful for our salvation. Not only for what we have received, but because of who we have the privilege to know. The Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I know in this life, and you see it, and sometimes we are all guilty of it. We love to know, but I know this person. When I got this person's number in my phone and I could call them up whenever I want and, you know, other people might not get them, but when they see my number coming in, man, they're going to answer my call. We love to feel like we're, we're that important, don't we? we? We got connections. But what greater connection to have 
than with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I tell you, sometimes we, we, we actually waste some time going to some lower ranking people. I know when I was younger, I used to see my dad do this. He would go to an office, uh, particularly maybe, who knows, it could be private, it could be government or whatever, and he's not getting anywhere. He said, listen, I'm going straight to the top. And I'm sure sometimes it was mixed results, but the point is he went to the top. I'm not telling you he always got what he wanted, but my friend, we have the privilege and the opportunity to go straight to the top to the king of kings and lord of lords and guess what there is nothing that he cannot do you know sometimes we struggle even with people and how they think and what they do and what they didn't do do we realize that there is power on our knees because the heart of the king is in the hand of the lord do you know that somebody could be praying for you to change you don't want to change but somehow, God uses circumstances to make your heart change because God is able to change people's hearts. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. That's the kind of power that this great God has. And we have the opportunity and the privilege to know him personally. Let's utilize our access. Amen? And let's be grateful for the fact that we know the one who saves from sin.